0: Father in heaven, thank you for another day you've us with. We thank you for the opportunity of being here with a group of believers and studying together, learning together. Bless Malice, who brings you later in his heart, that we can be open and grow together. We ask this in your name. Amen. Can we see it? Greetings in Jesus' name and welcome to each one this morning good to have everyone here. See, there's a couple visitors here. Good to have you here. This morning's message was kind of uh, in the back of my mind for a while. And I guess I sort of had in mind God's faithfulness through the years. His promises that never fail. And focusing on a few people that were very faithful, I guess, might say, in their calling that God had on their lives. God's covenant with his people. And I was drawn to the the account there, especially when God made that covenant with made his covenant to Abraham and where that started and how that took place and how that was fulfilled. So I wanna I wanna I want to look at a few things like that um, as we as we go through this. And also several another thing i 'd like to if you can pay attention to Noah or not Noah, sorry, Noah was also faithful, but but uh, abraham 's um, continued uh, uh, reverence as his as he got to know God spoke with him, met him more often, his reverence deepened for God, which I think is certainly um, Good and right, as we get to know God, walk closer with him, our reverence for God also deepens. Turn with me to uh, to, to Genesis chapter 12 for our setting, and this is the time when God um, called Abraham and made this covenant with him, and then we're going to follow that on down through where it was again renewed. Um, and you'll also see, as, as this happened from time to time, God added a few details to this covenant uh, from time to time. But uh, notice that as we go through here. Let's read Genesis 12, verses, verses 1 through 5. And this is just the beginning of it, and we'll follow some of these as it progresses. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, From thy father's house. Unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in, in thee. Shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old. When he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. So this is God's covenant with his people, and this is quite an amazing story. God has specifically chose Abraham to be the one who would represent God's people. And as we'll see, Abram was just an ordinary man, but we'll see an extraordinary faith. You know, God promised to bless Abraham and make his name great and through him all families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Abraham certainly had some difficult and trying times through life. The descendants of him having the, uh, now that didn't come in this time, that detail didn't come in this time, but God promised him to have descendants as the sand by the sea. And uh, now, at the time he didn't have any children, none, not a single one. And uh, but we'll see as we go on, God had a plan, and it, it really did work out. But, you know, as I read through this account here, even just these first couple of five, these, these first five, five verses. So many questions came to my mind. I don't know what you had, what went through your mind, but just a lot of questions that I don't know if I can give you answers to. But the question came to me, how did Abram know God? Um, when did this start? According to Acts 7, this is Stephen's account as he was preaching <clears throat> before the group of people, it says, God spoke to him before he dwelled in Haran, so that this would indicate that God, that Abraham knew God even before this, um, according to Acts or Stephen's testimony in in Acts chapter 7. You know, how long after God spoke with him did he left? Did he leave? Here we have just from one verse to the next. Did he pack up that night and leave the next morning? Did it take him a week to pack up? These are all I can't help but these things just come to my mind. I can be a little more practical sometimes. And then I don't know how God appeared to him. What form? Was this in a cloud? He came to Moses in a burning bush. Was this just a voice out of the sky? We don't know. Maybe that's not important, but I couldn't help but think of these things. What about his wife, Sarah? How did she take this? What a harebrained idea. Just take up and leave. And somehow he knew which direction to head, north, south, east, or west. I don't know. But somehow he knew which way to go and which direction to strike out on. You notice also he wasn't a young man anymore. He was 75. Now, this is a major, I'd call it a career change. Moving to a new country, moving to a, a land you're not familiar with—total stranger. Pack up your bags and all of your family and and whatever you have, all your goods that you have. <clears throat> and it was a, a, a lot of people that were part of uh, that were part of his household at the time. So here he was, 75 years old, and just leaving. <clears throat> God also asked him. To get away from his father's house and his kindred, and yet he took lot along his 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 nephew, I think it was and i'm not probably going to get into that this morning, but that did cause him some some headaches. lot was a bit of a uh, a drag, if you might call him at times, so just a few questions that that I couldn't help but think of as I read through this some of these things that like i said i'm not sure that we have answers i don't know if we need answers but i can't help but think of some of these things <clears throat> but let's go back to the covenant that we have right here in uh, starting in verse verse two it says that uh, i will make of thee a great nation i will bless thee and make thy name great. great thou shalt be a blessing and then you know it, it's just uh, this is god's covenant to abraham um that that word covenant has the idea of a contract. Something that, a binding agreement between two people. Now, if you notice, um, there wasn't a lot that Abram had to do, uh, at least other than follow instructions. Now, in the business world, if I make a contract with someone to furnish them with a product and services, this is what I'm going to do and this is what you're going to be paying me for. So there's a there's an obligation, a very clearly spelled out obligation on both parties. Um, this was God's covenant to Abraham. And I, I, I thought that maybe I'm splitting hairs, maybe that's not a big deal, but really, Abraham had to just be there, follow through, and follow the instructions. Now, <clears throat> that may have, maybe I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. As I just mentioned, his age and uh, what that all meant to him, uh, I'm sure there was a lot to it. But we see that, that uh, so Abram went. Verse 4, it says, so Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken down to him. And then a couple, the next couple of verses, we have several stops that he made along the way. And God appeared to him a few times. Verse 6 is, he appeared to him in Shechem and uh, promised to give him this land. Um, that, that uh, you know, Un, unto thy seed will I give this land. And he builded an altar. He kept on moving, and I'm not sure if this is all en route to that place or if he was just exploring this land. This is a big area. This is a vast land that that was promised to him. But he kept traveling, and in verse 8, again, he, we find him in Bethel, and he pitched his tent and built another altar. And then notice the end of the verse, and he called upon the name of the Lord. Uh, I see Abram sort of developing more of a deeper reverence, I guess you would call, for God. And uh, as he, it says, he called upon the name of the Lord. Now this, this, this word, if you look it up, it means to cry out, to proclaim, to utter with a loud voice. Uh, I'm not sure what that meant, but it was a very uh, intentional. Uh, call or uh, cry that Abram made to God. He called on the name of the Lord. Notice again his, in his, his, his reverence and respect and uh, acknowledging God as a holy God as time goes on. Follow with me, but go back with me to a couple of chapters in chapter 15. We have another uh, appearance of God and this came in the form of a vision. He had a vision. And uh, let's read these couple of verses here. <clears throat> I think we can do the first five and get a good setting here. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Notice a few things here as we go on. It seems every time God renews this, there's a few little things that are added to, a few more details. Verse 2 And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing, I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad, and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell them. And and tell the story that thou be able to number them. And he said unto him. So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. And encountered unto him for righteousness. So here we have again. A few things added. As this one is again renewed. God promised to be his shield. Which is a protector. And his reward. And this reward. Comes from the idea of a payment. Or a contract. This was. God's promise that he would fulfill this contract or this covenant. You know, Abram asked the logical question. They were still a childless couple. And how can you have descendants like the sand of the sea and be childless? In their day, the servant's child was your heir. If that happened to be the case, there was no biological children. The servant's Children were your heir. And Abraham reminded God, Look, oh God, this is the best I have. This is all I have. And God, again, no way. That's not going to be, He is not going to be an heir of your estate. It's not going to be a servant. It will be your own child. So shall your descendants be as the stars of the sky. And verse 6 Abraham believed in the Lord. Notice, again, just amazed at his great faith. Um, He was, does it give us his age here? I'm not even sure if it does or how much time had elapsed, but being 75 and his wife close to his own age, uh, approaching, if not already, have been past the childbearing age. It goes on. Chapter 17, we have, Another one, again, uh, God appears to him and the covenant is again renewed. Chapter 17, we read verses 1 through 8. Notice a few details here. As I said, as time goes on, God renews this and it seems the deal gets a little bit better every time, doesn't it? Chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, he was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generation of, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan kingdom for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." Notice a few things here. First of all, his age. Here we are, 24 years later, 99, 99 years old, and God renews this covenant with him. Let's let's follow Abram's response to this. He again, (coughs) God reminds him of this covenant, and several times he mentions him being... um, uh, having a lot, of, a, a lot of children, or a vast, a huge descendants. Uh, notice Abraham fell on his face. Again, I, think, I don't think this is recorded previously. Again, see his reverence and his respect, his, his uh, acknowledging God for who he is, a holy God. <clears throat> and at this point, I don't think Abraham had a lot more to go on, to base his faith on, than what he had 24 years earlier. Not a lot changed, not a lot had happened, (coughs) except he did have Ishmael, which I skipped over that. Uh, That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's plan. And I think, and and Abram knew that. And yet, not a lot changed as far as him seeing action on God's part, I guess you would say. But God again reminds him. Oh, verse one. He says, "Walk before me and be thou perfect." I'm not sure that God or that uh, we have Abram. Well, yeah, I guess like I said, taking things into his home in is his his own hands taking his his wife servant girl, and she had uh, Ishmael because of that. Certainly, that was not uh, God's plan. But we see here that again, He had promised him. Verse verse two. I will multiply thee exceedingly, verse 4, you'll be a father of many nations, and then there's also, uh, <coughs> yeah, a father of, oh, verse 5, the end of verse 5, notice that, for a father of many nations have I made thee, I notice that, made is past tense, right? Fifth graders, sixth graders, isn't that past tense? It says, I have made thee. In God's mind, yes, he did. Of course, Abram hadn't seen that yet. So we see here, even the God, God again reminds him several times of this this promise. Notice also at the end of, (coughs) excuse me, verse 8. And I will be their God. This is something new that was added. This was not mentioned before. I will be their God. So we have Abram here. Abraham, not Abram. Yeah, God changed his name. <clears throat> Called him Abraham. And promised him to be a father of many nations. And also, he said, notice also therein. In of uh, verse six, and kings shall come out of thee, which happened many times. There were a lot of kings in <coughs> in the line of in his in his lineage. <coughs> so we see here, Abram still hanging on. It doesn't seem like he's losing faith, and uh, God again renews his promise to him. Let's turn, go back to. Uh, Well, yeah, I guess the same chapter, 17. Uh, Verse 15, we have where, again, God is promising. He's giving more details about this promised heir. Let's read verse 15 through 19. And God said unto Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. And I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of people shall be of her. <coughs> Excuse me. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? <coughs> Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with and with his seed after him. So, here we have God's promise with a lot more detail. Promised son, and even giving the name of his son. Turn with me quickly back to chapter 21 where we have this happening. Isaac is born. We have the... um, Chapter 21. Yeah, and the Lord, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, as the Lord did unto Sarah, as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abram his son in his own age at the set time of which God had spoken. And and Abram called the name of his son that was born unto him, where Sarah bare him Isaac. And Abram circumcised his son Isaac eight days being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. So there we have it. <clears throat> Certainly, Abraham tried to help God, if I may use that term, and because of that, Ishmael was born. And, of course, that made uh, that had a whole new set of issues and problems there. But here we have God's faithfulness in, in, in giving... Uh, Fulfilling his promise. Abraham being 100 years old, and I, it looks like his wife, was, or Sarah, was 90. So there they were, an older couple with one child, but this was the promised son. You know, again, seeing God's faithfulness, but one thing that I haven't really, I want to look at just briefly is Satan's attempt to wipe out God's people. His attempt at thwarting God's plan or changing it. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. This is one attempt when Satan attempted to wipe out God's people. Exodus 1, we have the account of of, uh, Israel being slaves and multiplying, growing, getting powerful, mighty, and a very... A uh, prominent and powerful workforce in Egypt. Verse one or chapter one. Let's read verse eight through eleven. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Now Joseph was previously the the, the emperor, the ruler of Egypt, and in the end of, the end of Genesis we have where he died and was buried. So now we have here a new king who didn't know Joseph or had forgotten about him, and said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass, that <coughs> when they fall out a war, they join also against their enemies and fight against them, so get them out of the land. Therefore they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure, cities, python, and Ramses. So this was... And then, of course, the rest of the chapter, which I'll not get into, we have the emperor giving the permission to just throw the baby boys in the river, and there was effort made to treat them very harshly and afflict them with all kinds of burdens and problems that would cause them to supposedly die out. But that's not what happened. God had granted them favor and uh, helped them in many ways through that to where they continued to flourish. Another quick example, I'm going to just turn to Esther. We have, again, not going to go into a lot of detail, another effort made by Satan to eliminate God's people, Israel. Esther chapter 3, and I'm just kind of breaking into this story where we have Haman, who was an enemy of the Jews, trying to um, do just this. He was high up, a high ranking official in the king's court, went to the king. Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the province of the kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws, therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business, to bring it into the king's treasury. <coughs> and the king took his ring from his hand, gave it unto Haman the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the Jew, the, the Jew's enemy. And so he had the king's permission to do this. And I'm just brief, breaking into the middle of this story very briefly, to show Satan's attempt at. Wiping out the Israel, the 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 whole nation of Israel through Haman, and of course, if you don't know the story, read it. But we, most of us, know that did not happen. In fact, it turned completely around, and again, God caused them to prosper very much because of this. And then, more recently, we just read, we just uh, celebrated that over Christmas, Matthew chapter two, where we have Herod attempting to kill. The baby Jesus. Jesus was, of course, the promised Messiah. Herod being threatened by him. And realized that he had been deceived and tricked by the wise men. Took things into his own hands and there was a lot of needless grief and death because of that. Satan's attempt to wipe out God's people. God's faithfulness in spite of that. And then we certainly do have, um, we just celebrate Christmas where we have the promised Redeemer being born, and certainly what great joy that brought to a lot of people. (coughs) Fast forward to now where Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry, in John chapter 3, we have a man by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night wanting to know some answers and I thought that's interesting I think he probably came by night because he didn't want to be seen openly with Jesus let's read a couple verses in John chapter 3 just verses 1 through 1 through 3 to get the setting there's a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him rabbi we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou, that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Move on down to chapter, or the same chapter, verse 14 through 17. Read a couple of verses there. Now, this was, this was of course, Jesus and Nicodemus' conversation that they had leading up to the end of this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the Lord through him might be saved. <coughs> Nicodemus noticed that Jesus was not just an ordinary man, <clears throat> and he came to Jesus, wanting some answers. Um, Jesus tells him in—I well, suppose it was kind of confusing. It's to seek next couple of verses for Nicodemus to understand that. But Jesus in, is introducing the new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, as he calls it. Notice. The couple of verses there at the end that I, wrapped, or I read there, chapter, or verses 14 through 17, Jesus makes a few comparisons with the Old Testament law and the New Testament, the New Covenant. Jesus said he'll die and give his life as a serpent in the wilderness. Now, in Numbers 21, I'm not going to turn to there, the Israelites were afflicted with some kind of a plague or disease that went through the camp, and a lot of people died. God instructed him to make a brass snake and put it on a pole. And those that would look at that snake would be healed. And the plague was stopped. Jesus is making several comparisons with the law and the new covenant. I'm sure Nicodemus knew that. He understood that. You know, interesting thing about Jesus, he spoke to people on their level. And we talked about in our Sunday school lesson this morning how Jesus spoke harshly to the Jewish leaders, rulers. He didn't mince words with them. And, and I, he met them where they were. <clears throat> On the same token, he would forgive that lady that was drugged in by the Pharisees and rulers of adultery. said, go and sin no more. And, and so I, I think we can see Jesus does that many times. He meets people where they are on the level of, of, of understanding. Of course, here we have Nicodemus being a ruler of the Jews, I'm sure being totally on board with what Jesus is saying. Referred to this, this serpent in the wilderness as providing life or giving life. <clears throat> Jesus likened himself to that serpent, I don't think, I'm sure Nicodemus didn't understand what that meant, but very likely he would have later on in life, very likely he would have. We also notice that he makes the comparison, <clears throat> God's verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. You know, the law did not save, but it, it, it condemned. There was a sense of guilt that came with that, In that it wasn't good enough. It satisfied the laws, the the demands of the law, but it did not save. Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save. You know, it was it was faith in God that caused people like Simeon and Anna, there in Luke two, and many others like them uh, to, to look for the coming Messiah. Not the obedience to the law this our Sunday school this morning talked about that quite a bit. Some of the things that they were doing here in the temple in the temple court would have been an effort to uphold the law to keep things i don 't know pure I guess you would say to to their law, and yet they missed they missed it entirely and Jesus saw right through that and uh even though he spoke harshly, I'm sure they knew. When Jesus accused them of being thieves and robbers, they knew. They knew what he was talking about. But I think that's that's certainly uh, typical of Jesus. Jesus does that in many cases. He speaks to the people on their level. Whether it's a religious leader, a Jewish leader like Nicodemus, or like that woman that was taken in adultery. And, and, and I guess I'm, I'm grateful to God for that. We can see God's covenant with his people, and I know I skipped a lot of points throughout that, but I guess I was just sort of impressed recently seeing God's covenant from Abraham all the way through, and then, of course, several attempts made during that time of Satan uh, trying to stop it or, or, or annihilate the people, thwart God's plan, and then the... Um, promised child, the Messiah being born in the New Testament, and how that relates to us. Uh, and certainly, we too are part of that covenant, we certainly can look forward to God's that, uh, that inheritance that was initially given to Abraham, and was since then passed on to us as believers. Let's kneel as we pray. Dear God, I thank you this morning for your faithfulness. Again, we see this coming down through the ages. Thank you for the faith of people like Abraham, especially, who counted it as righteousness, believed you and counted it as righteousness. We thank you, Lord, that you have, over time, revealed your plan in small increments and and, uh, in spite of the impossibility of some of these promises Thank you that you are not limited or hindered by our limitations. Father, we again see as we look down through the ages to now where where we, where we you have brought us. These promises have been fulfilled and we can continue to look forward to these future promises being fulfilled in our lives as well. Thank you especially for your grace in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you have given us your spirit, unlike the days of Abraham, we now have your Holy Spirit who indwells us and continues to guide and direct us as we seek your will. Help us, Father, as we, as we journey through life, that we too would have a continued and a deeper uh, reverence and a sense of awe and holiness as we see you and for who you are. So we pray your continued blessing now as we go from here. May we ever be mindful of your your uh, spiritual leading in our lives and we thank you in Jesus name amen